Welcome back to the Troubleshooting Life Podcast. I'm your host, Craig Poston, with my co-host, Jay Peters, where we talk about various topics, sharing our experiences on life and finance. What's up, man? What is going on? I don't know much, man. Another week. Another week. Another yeah. Down, man. Yeah. And we both had to drill this past week, so. Yeah. Yeah. We uh, definitely, we do a lot of work, and I can tell you that much. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, I enjoy the benefits of a uh, drill, but um, yeah, sometimes I want my weekends back to possibly do something else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I think Billy Ray Cyrus had that song, I want my mullet back. Uh, I'll make a parody rendition meaning I want my weekends back. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the unit that I'm with, they used to do week weekdays. I think it used to be like a Wednesday, Thursday, which is actually it, it was it was kind of cool, but a little inconvenient because yeah, uh, or because you have a job. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was only cool because you got to you know you get to see everybody, but then like yeah, when it was time to like if you're in the middle of a project, you know you're trying to fr- finish, and you know how we do it, we use sprints. Um, yeah, so we so. And you want to put all your time towards it, uh, yeah. Then you you got to pull away to go do that. But then it kind of yeah, but it kind of feels like it gets in the way. And then like the weekends, now we do less things uh, for drill because now our uh, you know there's less people there yeah. because we're part of an active duty unit. And so yeah, it's it's kind of like one of those things. Like you know, which one you would rather work on? I mean, you can still work on both. You just during the week you have to take your own time to do it and it's yeah. some things you actually can still get paid for uh that you work on you just have to turn in the, yeah. the form showing that you did work yeah i did any additional time or additional periods yeah yeah yeah, yeah i mean no, no, man. Mine, mine was just a little bit stressful so i don't know if you guys do this uh this in the army i don't know what, what your uh, evaluation periods are like yeah. um but for us it, it's based off like ranks so yeah. like so e-vibes there evaluation period comes up in bunch um and typically like the way we do it is like we'll have the e6s do the e5 evaluations and then we'll have like the chief's mess which is the e739 uh above so like they'll look over it they'll chop it up make yeah. it a little bit prettier and then what we call the khakis which are our officers and stuff they'll look through it and then it'll go to our co and xo yeah All right um uh but we were supposed to finish them up last month in, in December. We had like, I think 13 or 14 people we had to do it for. Yeah. Um, cause we're not like a real big, you know, we make a total of 60 some odd people in the unit. Um, but like only four of them were done. Yeah. I was like, and I did two of them and I was like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, so like I ended up having to follow up with like a lot of sailors that, Hey, they just weren't in, like they, they had inputs and stuff. They just, weren't submitted um so i had to i worked on like another four or so and i had like another person helping me uh work on the other so it was just i was like why is everything so last minute yeah like is that and granted, i said like they're doing march but you want to have them do like or done a few months prior to give the other chain of command or parts of the chain of command to to look through it um but that that was just kind of kind of yeah. setting me off it was like it's like well that was uh useless like month to prepare for everything because I, I also had other stuff to do uh for the unit uh on top of that and kind of just like there's a lot of wrenches in places yeah no i i, I 
I feel you on that one. I, and I'm terrible about uh, making sure that my stuff gets done because I, I, I don't have to uh, rate the E5s that's under me. Um, yeah. Our E7 um, is supposed uh, not supposed to, but does it. Yeah. Um, uh, so, which actually makes it easier for me, and I don't have to work so uh, work so hard trying to catch up with reserve stuff uh, while I'm trying to work on civilian stuff. You know. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, probably will end up helping him just to lighten his load because, like, yeah. they're actually uh, now that people are leaving. Uh, it, that's that, that makes it harder for him. There's less people around. Um, and then the, the other thing that I've, I've had senior people tell me to do it. And it's like one of those things I just don't do. And you're supposed to like write notes, right? Uh, like, you know, like periodically when you do something, you've done something for the unit, write it down so you can oh, have yeah. it to talk about in your evaluation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I can call it, uh, I love me binder or whatever it is, or I love me journal. Yeah. Where it's like, you kind of just. Because for some people, especially like for like people that are like you and I, or like yeah. high supportive people, we don't necessarily pay attention to certain metrics, yeah. Right, as in like how many people have evolved, like what did that reduce in like certain time, what did that increase in like productivity, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so it's probably better for us to do it because we are doing the work. We're just not capturing it pro- properly. Yeah. Um, and I never fully understood that. Like I never, I've never been like uh, a metric type person or. A numbers as in like how many people were you helping i've yeah. always been like a value type of person as in like i'm gonna help you no matter what uh and i'm gonna make sure like things are working things are doing well things are getting better stuff like that yeah but i don't like put them into numbers i don't i don't see it that way yeah and, and, but but the thing is um and i think a lot of people that do that there's a reason why they may not get paid as well is because they don't know how to they they are providing value they don't know how to communicate that value to other people um so you may notice that a lot of people that are especially in the military people that are in higher rankings they may not have provided a lot of value they may be like joe navy joe joe soldier whatever it is um as in like they do what they're told and they they're able to capture that stuff and then promote it or and then they get promoted yeah right uh or you'll see like people that are like high support same of people as in they're always trying to help others yeah. they, they may still be stuck in like the e5 e6 kind of uh thing and there's nothing wrong with that i mean that's just all based on what you want to do where your goals and stuff are but um to be i think a little bit more well-rounded or a little bit uh better is to to communicate your value yeah, right? because you may feel undervalued or devalued when someone that's doing less than you is getting paid more than you, or someone that's may not be as smart as you is getting like a promotion because you're not right. Yeah. And it's and it necessarily it doesn't have anything to do with your intelligence with what you're doing. It's just how you're communicating it. Yeah, no, that could probably be a whole other podcast where we talk about the you know communicating with others because yeah. yeah, that's yeah, that because that's such a big thing, uh, like. Uh, you know the times that we talked about we wanted to do the i forget what it oh toastmasters yeah yeah uh, we wanted to do toastmasters and that's a way to learn how to communicate with people and yeah and because you know that that is a way that you can increase your value right yeah having the knowledge of communicating increase your value which also creates uh the type of income that you receive 
Yeah. And so it, you know, kind of all falls in line. Yeah. So, I mean, how, uh, how's your goals going, man? Oh, uh, not too bad, man. Well, I've been, place has been good. I've been trying to get this stuff ready or it's like, it's posted now. Like it's out, out there for, for rent and stuff. And I got like a couple leads coming through it. So it's been good. Uh, the other place, like I've been dealing with contractors to get the other flooring fixed up for, for the old place. Um, it's been going decently well. I mean, coordination is kind of rough, but, um, you know, just kind of keep pressing on, keep learning to, to, to push what you need to push. Yeah. Um, it's been good. So, um, other than that, nothing too, too much other than like big, I know it's been a, a couple weeks and stuff, but, um, I just can't even remember what my goals are, man. Like, like I just, I'll become the blur of all the things yeah. I got to take care of. Cause I know I, I feel, I fully understand you on the, the property thing. Uh, and I think that's why it's always better to get in it and then st- instead of doing the analyzer, because I, I I see exactly what you're talking about. Like, uh, even like the long guy that, um, the guy had COVID. I didn't know he didn't communicate with me. Tell me that he had COVID. Yeah. And I was like, man, I was like, this guy ghosted me. Like, uh, yeah. I was like, Hey, I, I, you know, cause we're, I had to reach out to him and then he finally told me, yeah, I had COVID. And I was like, all right, I'll wait a week. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a nice guy. Right. I'm like, Hey, yeah. I'm not going to, cause normally I guess how you would do it is you would keep another lawn person on deck, switch to them. Instead, I, uh, I told him, I was like, you know, I, I want you to have the business. So I want you to have my business. So that's why I want you, I, I want you to do the work, you know, cause yeah. I felt like, yeah, I felt like the guy did a good job. Like he did something for me and I, I like he, he called it fall cleanup, man. He cleaned up leaves, picked up sticks, edged the yard. He did like a whole bunch of stuff. Like he yeah. cleaned, he cleaned up that yard. It made it look really good. And I was yeah. like, man, I don't want to just like, you know, throw him to the side. I already know somebody does good work. And I was like, well, you know, kind of wait. I think it was probably another week before I got a chance to talk to him again. And he's already done something else for me. Uh, where he, that's, I don't know if anyone knows about English Ivy. This my first time learning about English Ivy, where it, uh, it's a vine that grows like yeah. crazy and like it could uh, suck the moisture out of your, uh, trees. Fin- yeah, trees, your fence, like anything it attaches to. And he, he cleaned that stuff up. He did something else for me, uh, in the, in the process. Oh yeah. Cause it was a bunch of erosion around the house, um, from over time. And he went and got rock soil, all this other stuff to fill it in. And mm-hmm. now, now that's filled in. Now we're going to work on sod so we can fill, uh, fill up the, the dead patches in the backyard. So we can clean all that up and, uh, yeah, hopefully get it to a point where it, it could be rented. Actually, it could be rented now. We're just talking the property itself, but yeah. kind of like that, giving the customer some quality. So that's, yeah. Uh, yeah so, uh, the, the tenant, some quality. So when, uh, I, and I'm probably not gonna self-manage. I did want to self-manage and, but to speed up the process of getting things done, and trying to qualify for other things, I'm probably gonna uh, get a property manager on that one, mm. uh, just to speed up the process. And uh, and uh, I was talking to one; it wasn't too bad. It said ten uh, percent for fees, and this person said, "Hey, they have people on deck ready to work on things. They can do renovations if needed." I was like, "Okay, well, you know, just kind of still try to do a little research, not not pull the trigger too quick." I'm, uh, I you know. 
I, I guess I'm not in a bind or whatever that I need to just pull the trigger too quick. Mm. But it was, but since I want to buy another primary resident, I'm trying to figure out how to make sure my DTI doesn't look crazy. So I like uh, trying to make sure there's a lease on on the property that I have, and yeah. I got a lease on the property that we're living in now. So when we get into a personal, uh, another primary residence, sorry, that is not a, a big big issue. Yeah. And on, on top of that, I think we were talking earlier. I wanted to grab uh, a quadplex in the process, and I was I'm I'm trying to like hit these other goals that I had. I didn't write them down. These are more like internal goals. Yeah, like get get some other things going. So I can have a certain amount of property uh, that that I'm uh, that I guess that I'm holding, you know. And yeah, yeah, but, yeah. And that was one goal or one thing that I was taking care of. But I guess another goal is finishing this book, Long Distance Real Estate. Uh, I don't know if you ever heard of it uh, by David Green. Oh no, but I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that uh, that's that's the book that I've I've started. And I want to make sure I finish it out because it, it could help out with the the ideas that I have. Yeah, so I, I yeah ideas that I have about uh, owning property uh, in other states, and then yeah, uh, and just even own. Obviously, Texas is large. Like it's so large, it's like being in another state. It's it is. Yeah, like so you get like owning property in in other areas where I have fa- family members, and uh, we're trying to get that. Uh, because it's an idea I have where I kind of help out family members that never owned a home before. And mm. uh, they can help me offset the cost while I work on it. They can stay there for a year at a lower uh, uh, rent. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that's some stuff that I'm working on. Awesome. Yeah. So, that's really cool. Yeah. 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 I thought when you brought up a book, I thought you were going to talk about you writing the book. No, no, no. no you still, yeah, you're still waiting on that one. Huh? <laughs> like, I'll do it. I'm one of those people, bro. Like, like if you say something, like, yeah, or if you tell me something, I'm gonna keep you accountable to it. Yeah, no, no, that that's good uh, because that is something that uh, I I want to do, and uh, I should just you know do it and not doubt myself. And I should yeah. just get it get it started. Uh, so like, um, so to me it was like, and I actually heard this because um, one of the guys I listened to, he also like writes books and stuff. Yeah. Um, but he said that like what helped him with like helping other people learn how to write books is that he had them write a one page book, like they're a one page book and just post it on Amazon. Right. As in to show them the process on how to do it. And it was similar with like, like how you were just talking about real estate, right. Just doing it. Right. And, and learning all the processes because it, it takes a lot of that, that knowledge gap and anxieties out of it. Um, and just to show you like how simple or maybe complicated it could be. Right. And then if it is complicated, how to make it more simple. Right. If that's something you still want to do. Uh, yeah. Cause I just said like, like writing a book is not for everyone, like owning real estate necessarily isn't for everyone. But if that's what you want to do, then you can start like scaling it down at a small level. Right. So, and I thought that was a, a good thing that he said. And I was like, man, like, I never thought about it. I like, I thought a book was supposed to be, and I've never really thought about like how many pages a book should be, but like, you know, a one page book, that that's a thing. Like yeah, it exists. You can sell. You can put it on for free on like uh, Amazon or whatever it is. Yeah, so I don't know. That was interesting. No, no, no. The and again, you're showing me that there is no excuse. All right. You, not, yeah, yeah. No, seriously. That that that's exactly what it is. Like when you get actually thrown back at your face, showing that hey, it really is you. 
you're you're the the self sabotager right here in this mm-hmm. in this equation. Uh, yeah. Because I think I've heard that before. Uh, someone uh, told somebody, "Hey, to get started, you start a one page book. Uh, I don't care what it looks like, just get it started." You know. Yeah. And yeah, that that and that's why I wrote it down because I was like, you know what, that makes a lot of sense because it it really is me. And how do I know if people are gonna dislike my book if I don't write it? Right. And I th- I think you said it, you said it before. Uh, you miss a hundred percent of shots you don't shots take. You don't make, yeah. 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 <laughs> was it uh no Wayne Gretzky said? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, when you say it, it you know, like I said, it, it's almost like getting punched in the face. You're like, dang it, yeah. right? Like, <laughs> but yeah, so you have to you have to keep, keep uh and, and like I, that's why I enjoy keeping me accountable on things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's funny because like uh, well, because I, I like so there, there was a time where I would say things or I would be too afraid to say things yeah. because I was afraid other people would keep me accountable to it. As in like, uh, say if I wanted to lose weight, right? And people were like, oh, I thought you were going to lose weight. And then for some reason, it would make me feel bad, yeah. right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, like I think people have like this negative connotation of like of feeling bad, right? Where, where you shouldn't feel bad. You shouldn't feel a certain level of shame and stuff. But- um, going back to the point is that like there was a time where I just stopped saying things, right? I wouldn't yeah. talk things into into existence, yeah, right, uh, because of that fear of other people who can't be accountable. But I realized like there's nothing wrong with that. Like if it's something you said that you should be a person of your word, yeah, and you should kind of follow through with it, right? Yeah. Um, for like levels of integrity, levels of accountability. Right. So I did start saying it. Like I start, I've, I've been saying I wanted real estate. Right. I've been saying, and, and one of the things is like, uh, Jim Rohn says it is like the, one of the strongest words is the word until. Right. Like, uh, like, so for example, like how long would you allow a baby to continue to crawl? Right. Mm-hmm. How long, like, what is that time frame? How long would you, uh, then say like, if they can't walk, then they're just going to continue to crawl forever. Right. But they will continue to crawl until they learn to walk. Right. Yeah. They will they will continue to walk until they learn to run. Right. Stuff like that. Right. Um, so like instead of saying I will get this property and by this time, I will continue to work on this property or get a certain uh certain amounts of real estate until I get there. Right. Yeah. Instead of putting like those um barriers around you. And saying, you know, or or bring yourself down because, yeah, no, nah, man, uh, yeah, no, thank you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I think the uh, same thing. I purchased a voucher so I can get started on studying the exam. Uh, oh, yeah. Problem is kicking myself in the butt, haven't haven't uh, uh, picked a date, but mm. my internal date was my birthday. Uh, so then That's I was like. Up, yeah, I know, right? I, it, yeah. yeah, it's coming up pretty soon. So that means that I need to actually just buckle down. And I think you already said it. It's usually how it works, right? You'll set a month, and then yeah, you got to take, take the last two. Yeah, yeah, you got to take the two weeks to just to, to get the the uh, to start studying and get it yeah. get it done. So I'm like, dang it. So uh, yeah, so that's that's something something else that I need to work on. Uh, and don't uh, don't uh, fail on that goal because that is something. That, that is something I really want to do, and especially after proving to myself I know how to do it. So, yeah. So that that you know, that's uh, I guess that kind of leads into <laughs> what we're talking about now, right? 
minimize regret, not risk. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So yeah, that that's our topic for this week. So I think it's a actually uh, for me uh, kind of I guess one of those things that uh, I'm about, and because I feel like in the past I've had had regret. You know why I didn't do it. You know, and it's probably because I didn't take the time to study, figure it out, or just jump into it and then mm. figure it out along the way. Right. You, it's like being thrown into a pool and then, yeah. and then prove to you, you know, someone else proves to you that you know how to do it. Uh, and I'm, I'm bad about doubting myself. And that's why I have to like always set a new goal, do something else, keep going. Yeah. yeah so, uh, to minimize that regret about why I didn't do it, I should have did it at this time. Just go ahead, do it. Uh, yeah. uh yeah, because I've heard, you know, the phrase, well, put yourself on the hook, you know, yeah. and you normally, just like I uh, I think uh, we're, we're trying to go speak at a university, I think it's in Houston, probably University of Houston, possibly, mm-hmm. and it was just to talk about the company that we work for, and uh, and I immediately said yes. I didn't even hesitate, because I knew what I gained from that, and that was the exposure of a larger crowd to talk to, mm-hmm. yeah. and that, in that way... That I'm building up that 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 callus, right? That that you know where I don't have that fear of speaking in large crowds, which that could help us, right? Uh, with mm. our platform, like if we, someone asked us to come talk about financial stuff or just even stuff in general, you know, about our podcast, you know, we're not afraid. We just go ahead and do it. Yeah, um, no, I, I do really. Anytime that it's like a, a speech or or speaking in front of a lot of people, I always try to take that take advantage yeah. of it. Right, whether it's like in front of my unit, uh, but like even in when, uh, so like when I graduated from my bachelor's, they uh, provided the opportunity for me to speak as like the valedictorian, yeah, and stuff. But like they didn't say I had to; they just said like, "Hey, do you want to do it?" Yeah, um, and it took me a little bit, and I was like, "Man, I don't, I don't speak well, like I, I just don't." Yeah, right. Um, and especially at that time. Um, but I told, I talked to one of my buddies who uh, was graduating with me. And he said that he had the opportunity to do that when he was in the Marines, like, and then speaking in front of his class and stuff, but like when yeah. he graduated and he said he, he loved it and he, he didn't regret it at all. And I was like, yeah, I was like, all right, but I'm gonna do it. All right. Like, like they, they didn't like, I guess the uh, additional voice to say whether to do it or not helped. And honestly, it could have gone book like a different way, right? I could have asked someone else and then you yeah. said like the exact opposite, like, oh no, you don't want to do that, man. Um, but no, I don't, I definitely don't regret doing it. Uh, I think it was good. I don't think, I think it was a good experience. I don't think my speech was good. I think it was a good experience. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, and that's the thing, like a lot of people, they kind of internalize that, that it, if it's bad, yeah. right. And like, well, who cares if it's bad, right? Like people aren't going to talk about it forever. Right. And even if it's like something viral, like how many people are still talking about like Will Smith smacking chris rock right like and that's like on national television that that actually happened right like a huge amount of people aren't aren't talking about it. like they, they don't care like it's just something that happens and even if it was at like a national level it only lasts for so long right yeah. so uh i think taking service is, is good yeah so yeah because you yeah you really do learn a lot more uh when you actually take a risk, right? You learn what not to do, what to do. I feel like you're at a more alert state. Yeah, and what you're willing to do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Instead of like, uh, if something that you're like, 
too comfortable with doing, you kind of neglect some certain things and you might not see every, everything that you learned in that experience. Yeah. Uh, and so like with something that you're trying new, then you're going to go like, I'm, I'm trying to learn the, the, to, the response from a crowd, not by their words, but by their facial expressions, um, about, uh, how they're sitting, how all these different things, are they, are they really into what I'm saying? Yeah, are they attentive? Yeah. And, uh, like not even paying attention. Are they, do they have yeah. a glazed face on their look? Yeah. Like, like, I, I like trying to do that. Cause like, and, and sometimes when you, you jump into speaking in front of people, you, it's almost like it's tunnel vision. So you, you kind of forget what was going on because of the nervousness. Mm. And, uh, that, that's happened before, but then later on, when I think about it, that I actually, uh, actually remember uh, everything that went on. Mm. Yeah. What helps me with like, as, at least, uh, speaking, um, is I, I kind of notice that most people are probably aren't paying attention. Yeah. Like, like, let's be honest. Like a lot of people will like for most things that are like speaking in front of a group, they're probably not paying attention. Like, mm-hmm. so for us, right. We have daily standups. How many people are actually listening to what we're saying? Right. Other than maybe the person like the scrum or, or yeah. a lead. Right. That's probably about it. Like everyone else, they're just waiting to hear their name and yeah. say their stuff and then yeah. kind of go about their day. Right. Yeah. And that, um, so, but I, I think those things are good. Like just having that daily reminder of, yeah, like it's, it's not as big of a deal as you think it is. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that and that's one reason why I kind of, on that more just kind of risk a little bit um i mean in in reality if when it comes to speaking in front of people you're not there for yourself you're there for the the crowd that you're speaking for and that that actually when you change the mindset on that that's that's when you become less nervous and more focused on like what you're saying to people make sure you're giving them correct information make sure you're not missing any information um yeah, understand it. If they look like they're bored, let's change it up a little bit. Let's liven yeah. it up. Yeah, you know, yeah. let's call on some people so they can see, hey, if you don't pay attention, you're going to be the one that's, uh, that don't know what the hell's going on, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, that's what I like about like uh, comedians and stuff, right? When they feel like they're bombing and some yeah. people crap, what's known as crowd work. Yeah. Right. They'll like, it's not like they're picking on people, but they're like, you know, they'll chat with the crowd. They'll yeah. get people like enthusiastic about what it is and, and stuff like that. Uh, so I thought that was like an interesting takeaway from from comedians specifically is that they're they're basically public speakers, but they're like they have like humor behind it. Yeah. Um, and when they feel like that humor is not working or whatever they're saying isn't working, they'll kind of like you know say like, "Hey, did you guys come here together?" You know, blah 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 blah, um, stuff like that, and they'll kind of just make slight jokes about it. Uh, I think that that's a really cool thing to kind of I guess take into account towards like public speaking yeah yeah so um and then I guess uh, one of the things that we're also when it comes to the fact that you risk things right how how can you eliminate risk right or or eliminate regret sorry limit limit the regret of the risk and then we kind of already been hitting on it where we talk about you know just do it right then whatever you learn from the end part end result right that that's what you can carry on and then you realize that it's okay uh with the risk i i remember when my nephew graduated high school uh i i gave him money 
and I gave him like a a, a letter, and it was a, a list of things that I regret I didn't do at the age of eighteen. That's true. Yeah, you talked about this. Yeah, and so like it was to show him that you know the, right now is your time to go ahead and risk some things. Right? It's a lot easier to recover at a young age than it is at a at an older age when you're getting close to retirement or whatever, or yeah. you can't more body. You have kids, your body's not there. You know all these different things that. But when you do it at a young age, you you learn so much more. You know, so uh, it, and honestly, that I did some things that way, but I didn't not not a, not some of the things I wanted to uh, do. Uh, you know, I like hopping out there trying to find jobs that I may or may not be qualified for just to see if I can get the job. Right? Mm. Th- yeah, things like that. But and like, we talked about it, like uh, like partners, right? And yeah. like when you are you could. Have, I'm not saying like go Mac on everyone, but you know, take that risk to just say hi or yeah, yeah, yeah to a uh, uh, like like a beautiful woman and yeah, like yeah, yeah. Basically, you just instead of like sitting in the backdrop waiting, hopefully that you get a chance to talk to them, yeah. you just go do it yourself because yeah. you don't know if they're interested in you, and you you know you don't know if you're truly interested in them because yeah. after you have a conversation with somebody, sometimes you're just like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're a bit dense. I don't know if I can. I can ask anything. You know, they like you never know. You're like, oh, they're, they're too hyper, too much energy. Like whatever it is, right? Like you, uh, and, and it's probably the, the same, the opposite, right? Uh, mm. People who don't, you know, or you know, like the the female who really see somebody but don't want to step forward and say, hey, I, I really like this person because they're waiting on the shivery type thing, or yeah. like, <laughs> like the you know the 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 males to come talk to me. Yeah, like yeah, but that's the. You know, I guess that was one of the, I would say, uh, a regret. And only, only to, again, accre- or increase those relationships, right? Like mm-hmm. understanding how to speak to different people. Like, yeah. uh, and now that I'm older, then I, I don't have that same fear. But the, the problem is when I was 18, I, I had that, that shyness where I couldn't, I couldn't just walk up to anybody, start talking to them. I did it every now and again. But I didn't do it enough where it kind of made me like I could do it all the time. Yeah, <laughs> because when you when you walk up all nervous to somebody, then it's like it it's almost the same thing as like not saying anything, especially if they don't know if they like you yet. They might yeah. think, yeah, they might you know think you're attractive, but it something like interaction. Yeah, yeah, you know, like yeah, like oh, that was a weird experience, and they go on something. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, uh, like I said, I've I've done it before where I just walk up to people to talk to them. But like now I'm a little bit more comfortable uh, because one of those things over time I've done jobs where you, you speak in, I don't want to say speak, but it's more like your your income is dependent on the fact of you you, you talking to Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, being a server. Yeah. All right, yeah, yeah. Like, tips and stuff. Yeah, so if, yeah. if you're not interactive, you're not going to get a good tip. So like, yeah, yeah it, 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 it all falls on that. And those are things that help me get out of my shell, um, working customer service or working a cashier at a, at a grocery store, you know, how many people love to eat? Uh, you, you're going to run across hundreds of people in a day because of the fact that they're coming to buy things. And guess what? All, all those are interactions. If you learn how to talk to people, learn that everyone has different personalities. Some people are happy to come to the grocery store. Some people are not. Some of you are like, you know, people expect a certain type of type of service. It's like all these different things. You like, you, you learn it from just constantly speaking to people Uh, and, and that's that's where I was when it comes to like uh, eliminate that regret is just 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 jumping out doing it right yeah 
Yeah, and we kind of covered like the learning from risks as well while we were doing that. Um, but like another thing that I've noticed is that when you try to you know minimize the regret and and take more risks, I should say, is like it innovates and creates more opportunities for you. As in like like when when you can speak well, yeah. right? There's a different level of opportunity. Like uh, say if you get into like a sales gig and stuff, I don't know if you ever met those or ever seen those cats in like the malls and stuff where they try to shine your shoes. Right, but like, hey, hey, oh, bro, let me, let me get some shoes. Uh, to where like, not just shine, but like, clean your shoes and stuff. I think every um, now and again, it's been a while, man. <laughs> like, yeah, dude, like I remember when I was in uh, Maryland, they were trying to do that. I was like, no, nah, man, I appreciate it though. But uh, but I mean, I remember other people like just coming up and talking and like, you know, asking about interested in certain things, and you know, some people came out like, you know, genuine. Some people, you know, of course didn't. Um, but that's just that's just the way it is. But I think uh. When you take risk, you you realize like what are like some defaults in certain things. Like so, for example, like if someone jumps off a, a cliff, right, without a parachute is different than with a parachute, right. So you would learn that hey, if I had a parachute, it would be a little bit more safe, right. If I uh, had something softer to land on, it would be a little bit more safe, right. There, there's certain things that you kind of create in that situation of risk to to help you. Um, and it's like also good things that you could teach to other people, right? So like, say if you, if you went to college or if you just got certs and you started working in IT, you could probably impart like, Hey, well, I did get a degree. It didn't necessarily help me. Like getting these certs helps me a little bit more than getting that degree. Right. And I think I would have probably got here a little bit faster if I did that. Right. You could impart yeah. that on like a younger person or younger generation or, or people that just had general questions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so that that is yeah, a great way to try to eliminate uh, regret. And there's, there's more things out there. Uh, as There's a lot of uh, online sites that talk about it. Uh, I actually was just looking at one, and it, was, it actually had a chart uh, about trying to, you know, like how to, how to eliminate regret. So there's many things out there, and I encourage people to kind of look into that uh, so they will be able to, uh, improve their uh, lifestyle when it comes to uh, taking on more risk, and uh, and it and it doesn't always have to end up being financial. It could just be that increasing your uh, relationship, you know, increasing the amount of relationships that you have in your life and things like that. Uh, yeah, and I think uh, so. Like one of the the quotes I like uh, is another one by Jim Rohn. Um, it says, uh, "If you are not willing to risk the unusual, you will have to settle for the ordinary." Yeah, yeah, no, that sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it, it makes sense, right? Like if, if you, for you to do things that other people aren't doing, yeah. then you need to risk certain more, a certain level of things, right? So for example, if you don't want to continue to, to rent houses or rent apartments, right? You have to take the risk and get a mortgage right? yeah. unless you have the cash to, to get it. But even then you'd have to spend a lot of time uh, accumulating or, or spending a lot of value to accumulate that wealth to get them money for a house, right? Yeah. Um, it, it's a risk to to buy a house and rent it out, right? Yeah. There, there's just certain levels of risk, but they come with uh, unusual types of incentives or yeah. or whatever goals you want to hit. Yeah, no. Yeah, because, yeah, if you don't, like, I guess in a sense, it's almost like that, that muscle you need to work out, right? Yeah. If, if you don't, you don't work it out, you won't see the improvement in it. So like, yeah, yeah pushing yourself a little bit harder every time. And that's kind of like what risk is, is put, 
taking yourself out of your normal boundaries just mm-hmm. to uh, hit the next next step, right? Or next uh, next goal, or just being a new improved you, you know, anything like that. Uh, yeah. Hey everyone, quick interruption. I just wanted to say from both Craig and I, thank you for taking the time to listen to us and our random rambling about life. If you have enjoyed this and think even one other person will enjoy this, then please share out this link, whether you found us on YouTube, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or any other platform. It costs no money and little time, but would have a great positive impact for our podcast and brand. All right, enough with the shameless plug. Let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, so, and, you know, ways that we create opportunity, because it, it goes on the, what we already started, right? The uh, point where we're trying to make, uh, innovate, and create opportunities. But, oh, like, yeah. creating opportunities, I, I think that it's something that does require require risk. Sorry. And uh, if you don't try to risk a little bit of something, then how would you create something new, right? Uh, and, and you're not allowed, I'm not sorry, not allowed, right? It feels like you're not allowed to do uh, certain things because it, it's because it's not just taught. Say, hey, right. like your parents don't just say, hey, well, if someone doesn't give you a job, then go create a job, right? right. Uh, so, yeah, if uh, someone doesn't uh, allow you to do a certain thing, then you just go make your own thing. You know, like yeah, they, uh, you know, if you can't buy something, all right, then uh, what what would it take for you to build it yourself? Like, right? you know, like yeah, you kind of put these shackles on you. Yeah, that necessarily they're kind of invisible. They're very invisible. Yeah, right. Because it's like shackles that we kind of put on ourselves, and it's because other people haven't done certain things. Like, like you said, like say your parents, right? If they weren't entrepreneurs, right? They didn't run a business. Then how would you know to to go start a business, right? Yeah. How would you even if like everyone's telling you like all the evidence points to it? How would you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. As a, as a, no, <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, yeah. So, like, I guess another thing too, like understanding who you are, right? Uh, understanding what type of person you are. If uh, you realize that you're a creative person, if you're not a creative person, there's still ways to build your creation, right? Like you, you, you can also talk to other people, get some ideas from them, and, and, and you know, it helps you with building that new person that you want to be. Uh, I. I mean, with, you know, always creating an opportunity, that's another way to get ahead, right? By creating opportunities that you're taking a risk with taking that risk that allows you to push yourself a little bit further along in the process. Or like if your, you know, your goal is to increase your financial situation or to have a certain net worth by gaining a little bit of knowledge and actually just taking action on it. Right, going ahead and risking uh, what you what you think, because a lot of people think that you you you're going to lose out. Right. In, in reality, if you're doing your research, uh, you just minimize that that risk. Right. You research what could possibly happen, because um, if you can see that you know, okay, yeah, I would possibly lose X amount of dollars. Right. Then you may be able to set that to the side. Right. Or create some kind of safety net to make it where you don't risk as much. Uh, if you find out that uh, the risk would be not having certain policies in place uh, for your project, right? What would it take for you to build that, right? Sometimes it takes just that first initial risk, just hopping out there to do it. And then you'll understand that, oh, well, if I do this, then I can increase my, increase my value. 
if mm-hmm. I do this, then I, I eliminate risk here. If I, you know, if I do this, I can hire a certain amount of employees that, to help mm-hmm. me out with this process. Right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think by just pushing yourself a little bit further uh, to get ahead. Uh, I mean, honestly, that's what I did when I was younger. I, I, I tried to, I tried to get out there and just do something. Uh, sometimes, yeah, I mean, it's kind of the, the, you know, I won't say a stupid way, but it's like more like you try to be clueless about what's going on. Let's just hop out there and just do it. And it doesn't work out for everything. But like I was saying earlier for my, my nephew, who, you know, well, he's 19 now, but like having that youth, uh, mm. able to bounce back quickly. All right. Yeah. Learning how to build that, that resiliency, uh, right. in your life now. So when you get older, you're not, uh, bound by fear and you've, you've created your, you learn how to create your own success. You learn how to, uh, gain success from other things that's in, uh, certain situations. And I think it all comes down to like putting a little risk into your life and, uh, mm. and to help you get hit. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And I think it's like, um, I think it's like that comfort level. Like if you, if you want to really like get ahead and stuff is that you get to a certain level of comfort and you kind of just like stagnate there and you know, toe there, like kind of like, oh, like when you're working out, right. And say if you're like trying to build muscle yeah. and stuff, and then you get to this point where like can't lift more weight. You either in that specific, like say it was a bench press, right. For some reason you just can't lift more weight. Right. Uh, but like, the thing is like you, you could change different things, right? So like for a bench press, right? You could go from a flat to a decline, a flat to an incline. Yeah. Uh, you could do a, a different level of tempo, right? To make it less comfortable for you and to kind of challenge yourself in a different way, right? Just to, just to see it from a different perspective. Yeah. I, that's something I do right now that helps me get out of my comfort zone. You know how you take a nice hot shower, right? Mm. And yeah, you feel all comfortable afterwards. Uh, and right when it's time to end the shower, I turn on cold water. Cold. Yeah. 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 Just it shocked the body, you know? Yeah. And, uh, honestly, and then you stay in there until you get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. And, and it actually wakes me up. Like it really wakes me up. They even said something, I was watching something and it was talking about how it makes you more attentive, uh, mm-hmm. because you, you kind of woken up the sensories and all that. And, yeah. uh, and that was uh, now I, I, I do it on a, a regular, uh, especially when it's time to go to work. Uh, actually I did it this morning too. And it just, it, it, it livens up my day. Uh, uh, cause yo, know, I, I mean like with workouts that pushing myself a little bit further, you know, it, it makes you sore or whatever. Right. But mm. it's something about that accomplishment that you did it that yeah. kind of like, yeah, I don't know if it's the, the endorphins, right. It's just yeah. like, it, it's like running through your system at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and just. I remember I, uh, on active duty shaking up my day by working out during my lunch versus mm. just eating during my lunch. And uh, I think that built the endorphins also because I would have an energy drink, say, that morning, right? But by the time you hit afternoon, all, uh, not all energy drinks, like, keep you awake. No, yeah. Another, yeah, another way to, like, re you know, revitalize yourself is, like, doing a workout. Uh, yeah. Yeah, in between you the go some iron, go yeah. do some push-ups, go forward, like, a quick round or whatever it yeah. is. Yeah, because I would I would do four mile runs uh, during lunch sometimes, and then I would uh, same thing. Uh, I would go lift weights, but I would add in cardio in the process. Yeah, right. So like it, it that shakes you up. It's kind of almost like hit exercises. How it it, mm. it it keeps you from being comfortable, like doing one thing. Yeah. It's just real easy to do that, and then yeah. that 
And that's that makes the gym kind of like a bland type of environment where it's like, oh, I'm just doing the same thing over yeah. and over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This elliptical, yeah. this yeah. uh, treadmill, just lift this weight, whatever it is. Yeah, I think um, for, for people that may not have like a huge intention on like why they're there, I think, uh, you know, shaking up a little bit, like doing like circuit training, doing, uh, like you said, hit training, doing like different types of carnage or trying yeah. to space out like when they do it within the day, like if they typically do it in the morning, do it in the afternoon, right? Do it, do it at night. Just to kind of like, I guess, revitalize like those, uh, like those reasons on why you're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that's, yeah. That, and I think that all kind of le- leads to, uh, you know, kind of breaking that, that comfort, which also allows you to, to get ahead. Uh, like I was saying before, jumping, jumping out there and wanting to speak in front of a bunch of people. That's, that's new to me. And, mm. but guess what? That, I learned something in the end by pushing myself and you never know the connections that I might make in the process of doing this. But that's it. It's all, you know, it, it's all a, a thing. You do it for somebody else that turns around, you get a reward in the end, you know, yeah. and, that, and that can lead also to, uh, you know, create more joy and satisfaction. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So like by you doing something for others, right. You risking a little bit of something on your end to help somebody else out then the the joy of helping someone or the reward of that they've helped you build a new person right in yourself uh and you probably get joy and satisfaction from it uh which also like i said and it comes from risk uh, yeah. I, I don't know if you've been in a situation where like you, you know you you try to do something with somebody else and it actually it actually helps them out and that yeah. it, it gave you that that satisfaction but it, it was a risk on your end right yeah but not on their end yeah, well, for me, it's like always been. I've always, like I said, I've always been like a helpful person. I've always yeah. been like a, a high supportive person, um, to the point where like there's points where like I don't care how much time it takes me. I don't care how much uh, money I pour into it, right? Um, oh, of course, you know, to a certain point. But um, so, for example, like something that I like to help people out with was like their resumes. Yeah, right. Like I like helping people like get into the professional world. I like uh, helping them. You know, gain professional knowledge, whatever it is, um, so that they can do something. I don't benefit anything from that. Like, I don't yeah. benefit from them getting a job. It's not like they're working for me, right? It's not like they're making me money. Um, but it does, you know, take my time, take my attention to do it. Uh, it there's also things like, um, like say, helping someone move, helping someone, uh, you know, fix a car, right? Whatever it is, right? Of course, there's, there's certain works because if you're helping someone move, say, if you drop it, now you're, somewhat liable for, for doing that, right. Yeah. For breaking whatever it is. Um, but you know, say like, you know, what if it doesn't happen, right? Like what if you, you know, move them successfully, everything goes well, right. There's joy and satisfaction in, in helping others. It, in, in my opinion, like it, it brings, it doesn't necessarily bring me joy as like, it doesn't make me more happy yeah. than I already am, but it does bring me like a level of satisfaction because that's what I want to do. Like I want to help people. That's just like my natural drive is to help others do whatever right it doesn't have to be anything specific but just to help others um but i think uh like to find yourself like your own joy and your own satisfaction is where you're taking kind of like calculated risk kind of like yeah. what we were talking about is where um that there's more satisfaction in doing the thing than if you didn't look anything up or if you're not doing research and mm-hmm. you're not doing stuff so so for example like um a lot of people get what's known as like buyer's remorse yeah. Right. Or like, say you bought a car, 
right? And it was just because you like the car, right? Or you bought a house just because you like the house. But, you know, when you do your research, like, hey, this is the car and this is why I want the car. Like it has a certain level of gas mileage. It has uh, very low maintenance or I could do certain things myself. Uh, there's things that uh, the the dealership will cover or the, the company will cover. Yeah. And that'll make, you know, the, well, it's still a risk to, to buy a car, right? Because you can still get into accidents. It can still be like a crap car or whatever it is. Yeah. You doing all that research uh, creates a, that that level of calculated risk and you can get a little bit more joy or satisfaction or you, you feel a little bit better about making that purchase. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's when it comes to that, that I, that I don't risk when it comes to the vehicles like that much more. Uh, I, I say anymore, right? Uh, now I actually am looking into vehicles that I, that will have served purpose, right? And it, uh, for well, me and my family and it won't be just uh, a fun car even though i am going to do that but it's still a car i'm most likely on research right um I, I would like to get to that point where i could just jump out there I, and honestly i'm one of those people i won't have buyer's remorse if i decide to do it i'm doing it right mm-hmm. uh but uh, especially when it comes to, to vehicles and then the same as like okay if i was just to purchase a home purely off of my emotions uh, now, I, I mean, honestly, to me, that that to me cheating myself because if I do it purely off emotions, then I'm not thinking forward, right? Mm. And but in a sense, when it comes to a, a property, you have a better chance of adjusting that, right? Mm. Yeah, to to make sure that you can either buy you another home or just sell the home that you have. Yeah, I mean, like, and, and we kind of talked about it, like uh, maybe not in this podcast, maybe on a different one, where uh, there was a time where like your your car had been like repossessed, yeah, right. Yeah. And you know that was you know that not necessarily a risk, but it was a it was a, an event that happened that maybe you had certain feelings towards whether that was a, a regret or something, yeah. But it, you didn't realize that you didn't want that to happen again, yeah. Right? And it's not like everything has to go well, right? Um, if everything went well, then uh, I don't know if like certain things would be worth it, but yeah. Um, but like, you know, you go through that now you have that level of understanding, um, and now you have a certain level, I guess you can call it joy and satisfaction when you buy a car, right? Yeah. And you're going to do certain, like, you're going to adjust like, well, my income is this, this is what I can afford. Yeah. Right? Or I can do this for my car. So we don't actually necessarily take into account certain maintenance things. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think it's like one of the more prime examples of, of getting more joy, getting more satisfaction, feeling more comfortable with taking risk. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, back on, yeah, I guess the risk would have been from the repossession was more of the fact I knew something would happen, but I chose to pick, like, I prioritized my money on other things like rent, electricity. And like, it was, it was, it was more like that. And it was like, you know it could possibly happen. You're you're risking it, but you're like, well, I gotta prioritize where the money needs to go, and then I'll come back and fill in the blanks. You know where the money. You know, but you know you live and learn about stuff, uh, things like that. And I guess that was why I, I now when I pick a car, it, it's gonna be research. If it's not research, it's like uh, it serves some type of purpose. And okay. yeah, well, I mean, and, so like one of the biggest things, do you, do you regret having your car repossessed? No, actually I don't. Okay. Yeah. I mean, at the time, yes, but no, right. 
because it, it actually made me tougher and it made me think ahead about like what what do you plan on doing with this vehicle you know right. if it's going to be a joyride vehicle then okay maybe you should pick a vehicle that's a little bit cheaper or uh if you want you're trying to you know i get to the status i say i get to the status of being able to buy ferraris on on demand right i can just hey let me just go out there and, and get one what what you you technically can do unless you uh own ferraris before and yeah, uh, yeah. it's a used ferrari yeah you know how they have rules and stuff like that too but like you know saying if i could do that right uh then i would still understand that that vehicle serves only one purpose and that's for my thrills and it, it does yeah. not serve any other purpose for my family maybe it could serve a purpose for business but yeah, it, maybe it's a you network know, with other people yeah exactly right figure out you know if they ran a business, how how did that go, and how did that end up them getting a Ferrari, stuff like that? Yeah. Um, but and that's like the biggest point, right, of, of the podcast is that um, you want to take more risks, and you want to have that level of not no longer having regrets. Yeah. Right. As in, like I didn't do something right because I think a lot of the things that we learn from, while they while they may seem negative in the immediate. Right. Yeah. Like, like getting a car repossessed, not being able to po- afford rents or utilities, not being able to afford yeah. food, whatever it is. It, we don't re- necessarily regret those, those situations now because it built out something for us. Yeah. Right. It built out like certain processes, certain uh, values that, hey, I will never go through this again. Mm-hmm. Right. Or I will make sure to do my research about this beforehand. Uh, or I'll have a, make sure to have a certain amount of money in my pocket before I start. Uh, spending on certain things. Yeah. Um, yep. And I think that's the, the biggest thing, right? When when you get too comfortable and you're, and you're like very risk adverse, um, you tend to, and I'm not saying like everyone needs the things, but you tend to not have a lot of the things that, that the people that you may want to emulate do have, yeah. right? As in you may not have a certain level of income. You may not have uh, a family. So for example, like, um, like having a family, that that's very risk, risky, right? Getting yeah. married, that's very risky, right? And the reason why I say that is like, so for example, getting married, you're now entrusting someone else with your things, yeah. right? And, and with your uh, with your values, with your family, with other things, right? Having kids, right? You may not know if that kid is going to become the greatest kid ever or a, a great adult, right? There's like, sometimes there's a fine line between someone becoming jeffrey bezos and someone becoming jeffrey Dahmer. yeah right like you just and those are like two extremes right but to to illustrate the point it's possible right it's still possible that when you have a kid they're not going to become the best kid yeah they're they're the best adult i should say um but i mean what do you lose when you don't have family well you know there's certain things like legacy right you may not be able to leave a legacy if you if you're not willing to risk having a family um sometimes there are certain levels of joy or certain levels of, of gratification when you have a, uh, when you get married, yeah. right? When you when you have family, so uh, it, it's not just like an econ- I know we're talking about like a lot of economical stuff, but it's not just in the economic sense. Yeah, I mean, and I know eventually maybe we can get to a point where we you know invite people on and we talk more about the emotional side of it. We can yeah. you know the psychology of it, you know, and they could probably help us, take, you know pull out why we have certain feelings about risk, you know, mm. and, and understand that, you know, risk is the best way to go versus like just sitting complacent in one spot. Uh, and, and essentially like you treat like, um, if you're in combat, which is not, you know, you know, 
I'm not saying people should get in combat or anything <laughs> like that, go to the military, none of that stuff. But like things yeah. that you learn is like if you stay undercover too long, the enemy will find you or get to you, right? Yeah. Uh, you have to, you know, take concealment, you know, take cover, but then you have to keep moving. Yeah, because eventually they will figure out how to get to you. You know, yeah. so, and I think like a, a good thing to do is like, so we should define some words, right? So like say, let's define risk. So risk, according to the Oxford Dictionary, is a situation involving exposure to danger, yeah. right? So that's maybe like a huge reason, right? Because not everyone is looking to go towards danger, right? Yeah. Not everyone is taught to, hey, you should look for these challenges. You should look for danger to to adapt and to learn from it, yeah. right? Um, yeah, I mean, those are good and to, to make sure that like there's a certain baseline of why are we explaining the certain things that we're doing. Yeah. All right, man. Yeah. We, that was a pretty good topic. Risk is <laughs> definitely, yeah, yeah. Risk is the, yeah, it, it's kind of like that enemy. That's that glass ceiling. It's, it's those, uh, invisible shackles. It, yeah. uh, you know what I'm saying? Like if, if you don't take, or I, I'm sorry, I said it wrong. Regret are those things risk are the things that help you get free from those. Yeah. People look at it as with those invisible things, uh, but regret, regret can be all those that glass ceiling, that the invisible shackle, it could be all those things. Right. Mm. But if you can, if you can break free by taking a little risk, then you can grow, you know, so much more. Mm. All right, yeah. man. Now to our frugal and cheap. Frugal and cheap. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you had to explain this one to me, but I don't know why you yeah. had to. Because this was like yeah. using other people's <laughs> streaming services. <laughs> yeah, so like uh, not having your own uh, Netflix, HBO, yeah. whatever it is. Like, I don't know how many streaming services there are now. Yeah. But um, but there's so many, man. And there's still people like mooching off and we were talking about like how Netflix had to change their, their pricing model because of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well... In my mind, I, I think it is along the the cheap side because that's usually what people are thinking about when they they try to borrow your your username and password to get to you. Yeah, that because they're trying to. Now I can see it right. We're all in the same household, and uh, yeah, you should you should be uh, you should make it cheaper for everyone in the household, right? Save some money, right? Well, um, how far does that go? Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Like, they, are they sharing it out to somebody else, yeah. and then they're sharing it? Yeah, you get what I'm saying? So like. And then you end up waking up and your Disney Plus has like 10 profiles on it. <laughs> yeah. So that one, uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't like that one too much. I don't like uh, letting everybody get my username and password. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and it's because of that, right? They they start to make it their own. I'm like, it's not, no, you're supposed to borrow the profiles that are there. My bad if you don't like what's on them. <laughs> like, yeah. No, yeah. And like, uh, so for me, like I have, I personally have like Disney Plus and HBO Max, right? But it's because like Disney Plus came with uh, my cell phone carrier, and then all HBO came with my internet carrier. So I had those, and I shared them with like my friends and family and stuff. But like I personally, I don't. I'll take advantage of it because like my girl, she'll have like accounts where like her family has them. Yeah. But I mean, I don't. Like, yeah. I, but then again, I also don't really watch things on like streaming services. So, like, it's just me personally. But I mean, I now, I'll say. It, I don't know if it's frugal or cheap, man. Like, I would say, to an extent, like if you're giving it to like everyone in the neighborhood, I don't know. <laughs> no, man, that's that's definitely people being cheap at that point, man. That's not. Uh, I mean, yeah, frugal. All right, so the the part where it actually becomes more of a frugal thing. So I say, you get Netflix, I get Hulu. 
Yeah, you swap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then that way, yeah, and we we just created our own little thing where we're saving each other money because we're all trying to keep the our uh, expenses low. Yeah. So that's different. But when people just borrow, then share out, borrow and share out, and then there's no no reciprocation of creating a thing there, like a network, your own network. And and yeah, to me that's cheap. Yeah, but then like yeah, yeah, that so frugal is. It, it can go both ways, I guess. Yeah. yeah, it can go both ways, but I definitely support the the sharing. Or like, like you said, like someone has Disney, someone else got HBO. Like we're sharing each other's work. Yeah. But if I'm the only one like producing stuff, I'm yeah, about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, man. I guess we'll go ahead and get out of here. Thank you, everyone, for listening. This is Craig and Jay signing off the Troubleshoot Light Podcast. We'll see you next week. Please like and subscribe. See you next week. All right. <laughs>